the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Top 5 Unassuming Killers in MMA with Brad Taschuk. It was another deep dive through dark humor with some delinquent hardcores, so strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMA Junkie as well as linemovement.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA, but in a different way, as this is a top-five show with a break in the uh, repertoire. I'm not going to timestamp this too hard. Well, this will be should be dropping for you guys here on Christmas Day, so a, a preemptive Happy New Year. This is being recorded in the holiday season, so i got to have one of my most uh, uh, you know, uh, favorite co-hosts, most fun co-hosts that I've had. He is back. He is from the MMA Analysis Program. You may see him doing some hosting duties on there. That is Brad Taschuk at BrazChuck on Twitter. What's up, Brad? Uh, not too much. Just trying to enjoy the uh, the holiday season a little bit, and you know the the break uh, ha- has been nice. It's been well earned for uh, people in the MMA space, that especially like yourselves that that like yourself that cranks out a, a ton of work. Um, you know me, I just get on a podcast every week and and bullshit for a couple hours with with some friends. But uh, you you do uh, some some serious work, sir. So I'm I'm sure you're enjoying a, a little bit of a, a break in the the action as it were i am not, not as much as I, I i should be i should be enjoying a nice frosty brew like yourself Brad, but i appreciate that and uh keep doing you though man because i live vicariously through you and your cohorts because this is something that we're kind of actually i think you mentioned off air uh just as an in general but it's worth repeating it's not something we should be taking so seriously even people like myself by the way um, so that's why I figured let, let, let's get let's keep the fun rolling with the top five. Let's keep the fun rolling with another solid co-host. You know, I love my Canadians. I love my Jewish brethren. And, you know, <laughs> may, maybe that's why uh, I'm leaning on you guys. I don't want to bother my American, you know, friends during the holidays. So thank Shouts to Aaron for the last show. And thank you for coming on this one, Brad. I enjoyed that one a ton. Aaron's always good. You guys, uh, the, the preview show that you guys have been doing, uh, I've been enjoying the hell out of that prior to the UFC card. So you guys, uh, you make a good pair. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, just just keep plugging us in. I, I love, one of the things I love around this time of year, I know you don't like to, to timestamp these too much, but you know, Christmas Day, you get those, the, the tweets and the messages and stuff like that that are like, Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. I'm like, bro, Hanukkah was over a week ago. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, totally. I, I remember I was, I, uh, I think we stopped the recording, but I was like, Aaron, I didn't mess up by saying I hope you had a good Hanukkah, right? Because it's been over, right? And he's like, yeah, no, you're you're, you're good. Uh, so because I was doing the math, where it I think it like just ended when we recorded, and then by the time, of course, it was going to be released, like this episode, you know. So there's a little bit of math, but it's okay. You guys don't mind. Uh, it won't affect this episode at all. And again, it's something for some holiday listening that you can 
go back and rewind because something I noticed, and I don't think we mentioned the topic yet, if you didn't read the title, Top 5 Unassuming Killers. This one is Brad's topic. I like it. But, uh, Brad, as we set up and we start to, you know, dip our toes into this pool here, um, the pool was, A, I think, bigger than we both thought. This is one of those topics where I feel like it's as deep as you as you feel like digging on the particular day. So we'll see where we come up with. But um, what inspired it and, and, and help us outline this topic, sir? Um, well, you know, one of my, my favorite trends in 2020 was just the absolute fat dudes that came into the UFC and looked like they belonged nowhere near uh, a professional sporting venue of any sort. Because, um, you know, you get like your giant dudes in the NFL, but they're giant bricked up dudes. And you see a couple guys in heavyweight MMA that are, you know, those big bricked up dudes. But we had all these guys that just didn't really look like they belonged in a cage. So, you know, rather than going that route, which would be the, the low-hanging fruit, which personally, you know, I love. Uh, you know, my, my t-shirt in the pool division is uh, is tremendous. Uh, but we went a, a little bit further than that. We took that, put a little twist on it with just those the unassuming guys that... You know, you don't think that when you step into a ring or a cage or whatever venue with that guy that you're going to be in danger. But, man, uh, as soon as the fight starts, they just turn into a, a different sort of animal. And uh, I, I think we're going to come up with uh, quite a few good ones here. And like you said, there was, there was a lot to pull from. Um, and honestly, compared to our last show, which was the, uh, the top five WEC fights... Uh, that one was simple for me because I can just start thinking of WC fights right off the top of my head and not not a problem for this. Uh, it, it took some digging, but uh, I think I've got a good list for the uh, the folks. Yeah, and I like that you added the word um, killers. Obviously, like kind of I mentioned in the last podcast, it's a word that like Dana White and the UFC and the, 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 uh, <laughs> as far as like their, their way to advertise and sell fighters perhaps – Maybe lighten up on that, especially with who we tend to hire in the cage half the time. Um, so it can be a, an overly used word and a turnoff where like epic. Remember everything was epic, and that quickly became yeah. like monster. Okay, yeah, let's stop. Let's stop <laughs> calling everything epic. So, but I'm actually glad though. On the other hand, that you included it, um, whether you, you did it meaningfully or not, Brad. Because if we, like you said, if we did an assuming, well. That's a whole open rabbit hole, and then we're going to end up with doing Brad's uh, top, like you said, top five t-shirt in the pool division, which the pandemic ain't over, folks, to timestamp this. So <laughs> that division is still rapidly growing. Um, Rampage is not with the home, but when he does, you know, he's still floating around. Can you imagine what Rampage looks like now post-pandemic, Brad? I mean, I so... That was a very apt description, saying that he's floating around, because Rampage is, especially heavyweight Rampage, that man's never going to sink in water. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. So um, th that's definitely a topic worth revisiting. So let's not spoil that. And again, let's focus more, you know, on, on the killers, because that's kind of a caveat that, you know, thins the herd for one, but also makes it that much more, you know, more flavorful and fun, because that's, that's the whole fun about fun part, if you are going to be unassuming, right? Absolutely. So yeah, I think uh, you know not to, to spoil any lists because we're we're just dipping our toe in here. But 
I think all of the guys that ended up on my list have at least uh, a 75 or 80 percent finish rate in their victories. So that was uh, that was an important part for me, and uh, it ended up being a tiebreaker in a couple cases. So um, we'll we'll see how we go. Yeah, I, that's a very uh, point of pride for my list as well, except for maybe my hipster pick, which will. We'll get into that, but it'll probably be second because, as you know, I always like to let the guests take the steering wheel. Perhaps there'll be a Chinese fire drill. Perhaps there won't be. We'll see if there's crossover on this list, folks. And, of course, once that's done, we get to the listener list, which you can always submit at the PYM Podcast on all social platforms. And even though I'm bad at checking it, go ahead and use that hashtag, Protecting Podcast, to get anything, whether it's a list or questions submitted on the show. I will answer, even if it's months in retrospect. Um, so that's how you can get those lists in. And whatever uh, we miss between that, of course, I'm sure Brad has some honorable mentions, right? I know I do. And we will clean up at the very end. That is the format. Try to keep, you know, the lunatics run the asylum here. That being said, I feel like the top five in the breakdown shows in my defense, we try to keep a format, so we'll do that here. Um, without further ado, man, because we, we could just wax on about, you know, fat dudes and, and meat slapping meat forever, especially me and you, Brad. So let's uh, let's get into it, shall we? Top five unassuming killers. Number five, we're going to go five to one, like a really uncoordinated tennis game, uh, you know, between, uh, that, like, like I imagine would be between, you know, a, a half Chinese guy and, and you know, a, a Jewish guy from Canada. But, you know, I'm going to use that joke again. Hopefully it doesn't offend people. You can, you can get a taste of what you're in for. But uh, first serve, Brad, number five. Yeah, I feel like if anybody gets offended that, uh, they probably wouldn't have ended up here in the first place. So uh, I think we're safe at this point. But you know, just before I get into my first pick, there's there's a couple things that were sort of disqualifiers for me when I was making my list. So one could be like the the demeanor of a fighter. So I don't know, somebody like. One of the Diaz brothers isn't going to make this list, obviously, because they're all like, with 209, uh, all that stupid shit. The other one, which, you know, I saw some of the, the listener lists was uh, they mentioned some guys who have some serious cauliflower ear. And I think if you're not paying attention, maybe you find those guys unassuming but for me you know I, I wrestled a bit in high school i've been watching mma for a long long time when you see a dude that has some like gnarled rawhide looking shit sticking off the side of his head uh you don't want to mess with that dude so like uh, uh kazushi sakuraba for instance like that dude is not making my list because his ear is just so mangled and then obviously you got to have a good record. So, you know, there's there's going to be some stereotypes in this. You know, I'm sure that Dan has a couple of Asian fighters or maybe an Asian fighter on his list just because, you know, they've got that meek, mild thing. But, you know, Andy Wang isn't going to make <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, so to, to start it off, the, uh, the hipster pick and... You know, Dan, I think I may have taken a wrong turn here. I think I may have misunderstood the criteria that I set for myself because my number five most unassuming killer is contract killer Amar Su... Oh, never mind. Not Amar Suluev. Uh, <laughs> uh, my, my hipster pick is uh, Genki Sudo. So nice. for those of you who don't know... Genki Sudo, he hasn't fought for like 15 years or something like that. He's been out of the game forever. 
But when he did fight, he would just be sort of like weird and both coming to the cage and in the cage. Just like a a really unorthodox kind of wild dude. Also, an incredibly handsome man. Uh, I, I think he's done quite a bit of acting since his career's ended and stuff like that. Um, But once he got into the cage, this dude would choke you out or knock you out or break a limb. Uh, And then, you know, he'd stand up and like pray over you and make sure that you're okay and pull out the we are all one flag. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those guys that he wants peace and unity until the bell rings and then he's going to try and rip your head off. So hipster pick for me, Genki Sudo, just that, uh, the clash in the personality, um, very unassuming, but very dangerous. I love it. That's a great pick, man. Not even just a hipster pick, definitely a hipster pick for most, because I would say that most aren't, aren't very aware of the, 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 the Japanese lore and legends, uh, you know, much less those early, uh, icon guys. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, he, uh, you know, unassuming, you know, he had the, what, the, that, that one off or whatever with Butterbean. I can't remember how they got that <laughs> yep. sanction where he beat him by toehold. But, it, like, he, that kind of spells it out, you know, and he would have production on the way in. But then he wasn't beyond, like, a meaningful message, you know, uh, you know, we are all one or, you know, being, you know, trying to inspire unity. Um, and that's just a fantastic pick. But definitely under the radar, hipster worthy um, for a lot of people listening. If, if that is to you, then go go research that man. At least the walkouts. Like, there's some K1 walkouts from, like, 2006 that are just fantastic. It's great. It's great. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other thing that they might relate to a little bit more is uh, didn't Tom Lawler do a, a Genki Sudo impersonation at yes. his weigh-ins or something like that? Um, yeah, so you know it, it's gone through the MMA ages. Yeah, wow, I, I love that 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 that, that too. Um, yeah, so mine as well. Um, I love that you mentioned the Asian note too because that's very true. I think I made a joke of that, like, and, I, and of course people that know my sense of humor listen to the show. Uh, you know, we always get the uh, the unassuming, right? Like, it's not a lot of, like, probably not a lot of black guys that get the unassuming, right? But there's a disproportionate that get explosive, whereas, coincidentally, Asian guys, you never hear associated with explosive, do you, do you, Brad? <laughs> so, again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, poke any which way. I'm saying these are very fair two-way streets that I'm, I'm just calling it out. That's all I'm doing, folks. Yeah. Um, but uh, to, to that point, like, uh, I am going to go Asian here, although... I feel like my hipster pick pales in comparison. Um, I wanted to get uh, a certain demographic, not including uh, Asian. You'll see where I'm going when I unveil the pick represented on this list. So perhaps that's part of the reason I went this way. But also to that to that cultural note, I mean, this is a, 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 a street fight story I've shared on the um, MMA Junkie Radio po- uh, podcast uh, for sure, and probably on this show of one of. Uh, one of my security fights back in the day. Um, and it was funny. It was when I was just really quick side anecdote, just to see why we joke about this unassuming thing. Like, uh, I was definitely one of the smaller stock guys, you know, it wasn't like the Samoan guys running excess, you know, we were more like the outlet crew working graveyard at Encore, one of the more upscale classes. And that's where I saw a lot of fighters, you know, where I have these stories of escorting a drunk rampage or Dan Henderson, like a lot of it, they all went to these, you know, seeing Michael Bisping getting trashed before UFC 100 before getting brutally knocked out. Um, so I wasn't that surprised cause I saw him partying this night before and it was amongst these days folks. And, uh, 
the way I, I ended up getting, no one knew my name for like the first couple months, Brad, but long story short, we had to escort this, he was actually a Canadian guy, he didn't represent you guys very well, he, he was acting very American, very loud and boisterous, about 6'3", and uh, he turned and like swung and like, on one of our security guards and took out another one. I, I took an elbow like to the back, uh, to the head, but I was able to get on his hips and, and take him down, um, choke him out, and then we got him in cuffs and whatnot. But it was great because everybody all of a sudden that was like, couldn't, you know, was like a dick to me on the team was just like, what's up, Dan? And they were like, look, this is, you see what he did? It's great because he's unassuming. And they always use the word unassuming to the point where like, it became like an obsession, like all the old military guys, and they they couldn't get a kick. They're like, they, they had a game where they, it was called try to get Dan Tom into a fight because they couldn't get over that this small guy could actually fight. So my last day, they were like, we're going to roll you through the excess line. And they, they purposely put me on carding duty because there was me and this other Filipino guy who looked really young. And when they were being dicks, they put us on carding duty because they know what would happen. They would know that whether both girls, by the way, which was the worst, when they emasculated you, go, oh, how old are you? You're going to card yeah. me? And I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. And they would do it in hopes that someone would start a fight with me, which didn't happen again. I, was, I did my job. But uh, <laughs> sorry, random side tangent. But yeah. People love associating us Asians as unassuming. I don't know what the fuck it is. It's just that's what it is, folks. Yeah, I'm like five foot five, so <laughs> I I feel like you know I, I share that in common with you guys. All right, see that's <laughs> my brother, my brother there. All right, but okay, so I, I'm not picking with that huge unneeded anecdotal caveat. <laughs> um, I stick I stuck in the Asian c column like Brad here and. Joe San. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, we both misunderstood. See, it. see, I had one chambered. I had one chambered too. Um, <laughs> I gotta get a Joe San. Of I course. Mean, of he, course. He, he fits. He fits the unassuming and uh, let's not go there. Um, I actually went with the females. I added some female representation. I went with uh, Loma Lokbung, me. Um, this is very much recency bias. So for me, it's a hipster pick. Although it probably would be a regular pick for most, but. SEO, you know, SEO ham, so he ham, didn't do too well, though she fits that profile of little Asian girl, which is, come on, we can all get a kick out of in a non-creepy way, right? Um, so, <laughs> Loma look with me, I, I, again, this is the one Brad where it doesn't fit, fit your context of uh, finishes, but she's really mean and vicious with knees and elbows and has literally been taught to throw them roughly about the same time she learned to walk. So it's kind of funny to see an actual trained fighter of pedigree, you know, go into these divisions. Like, you know, that's why Valentina Shevchenko is so dominant. Love her or hate her. She's a martial artist from the ground up in a very effective martial art like Muay Thai. That's what's going to happen when you put them in those uh, categories. So yeah, Loma looks good for me. Yeah, I don't think you can hold the uh, the lack of finishes uh, against her in, in terms of that pick, just because, you know, it, it is what it is with 115 pound women. There, there's not going to be it, but you still get that viciousness out of them, which is uh, which is kind of what you're looking for in this category, right? And, and let's be honest, she's an atom weight who moved up, and like she has to put on a bunch of weight to like still walk on the scales underweight. So yeah. you know, you got to give her some credit there and do some like adjustment math, right? Like. It's pretty impressive that she doesn't give a give an F and she's just going at it. Yeah, actually, you know, as much as uh, I love the flyweights and, and the lighter weights, um, I, I didn't really get that light with uh, with my list uh, in this one. So uh, I, I think that Pseudo might be the uh, the lightest guy on my list just with the way things played out. But we'll see how it goes. 
Yeah, that is. It shouldn't be strange, right? Because uh, unassuming, but perhaps you could make an argument for a lot of light guys. So that was my number five. On to your number four as we move up the ladder. Who do you got for number four, Brad? All right, number four. Uh, I felt obligated to put this man on the list. Um, you know, not overly enthusiastic at any point in, in his career. But definitely sort of that that silent killer and uh, that, you know, you're, you're not going to hear coming. You're not going to expect a whole lot of. And it is the heavyweight goat, Fedor Emelianenko, um, you know, 30 finishes in his career, just a, a short, pudgy Russian dude who by today's standards would probably be like a, a middleweight, maybe <laughs> in MMA. Uh, and, you know, he's the greatest heavyweight of all time, and he did it all with no expression unless he was watching his brother fight, win or lose. You know, if he lost, like, Krokop fight, you might get a scowl out of him. If he won, then you might get a little smirk out of Fedor. Or, of course, you know, he, he lets out a, a little smile whenever he's enjoying some ice cream as well. So Fedor is uh, is my number four. It's... It, you know, I, I originally put a list together that didn't have him on it at all, and it just felt wrong. He he had to, to fit into my list somewhere, um, but it, it just didn't work with him being an honorable mention, so I had to bump him up onto the list. Oh, that's great. I'm really glad you went this route. Um, I was really tempted to put Fedor on my list, and, he, you know, he's deserving to be on the list. But, and I, without spoiling any other names that could be on your list and are definitely honorable mentions, I felt like it would have, at least for me, sent me in a rabbit hole where I'm like, well, now I got to have this guy and that guy. And unassuming characters is like, you know, Dan Tom's brand. So again, like back to what we said, this list can be as deep as you want it to be. And this is certainly one of the justified areas of the list when you come in the guys like Fedor. Now, I wasn't, by the time I came around in my fandom, Fedor was already established and feared, right? So um, I never, you know, he, he, I never, you know, uh, underlooked him or anything. But yeah, I mean, you know, the balding, the physique, I, I think like somebody like I remember like seeing some like, you know, they have the NBA logo and whatnot. And there was one of just Fedor with just doing no justice, showing every love handle. And it was the outline <laughs> the, of him. The reverse hourglass figure. <laughs> yeah. And it just said, I dominate. And like the like, and I was like, oh, that was like a thing that would go around. Um, and. Yeah. But that would send me on like a, a a path that I couldn't even fit on my top five. So I, I, I opted away, but not because they don't deserve to be. So this is a That's great um, a great pick because, yeah, man, Fedor was definitely one of those dudes, especially when I was getting into MMA, that, you know, uh, inspired me was just like, dude, look at this guy. Like, he, he's got the, you know, and like that, that physique and he can still have cardio and whatnot and we would... You know, uh, see that from other heavyweights in the UFC, granted, but it wasn't a, it was a very rare thing. Um, so just seeing that uh, produce the power, the cardio, the the nimbleness off the hips and like doing small man stuff even, and, like it, it just was fantastic. It did really, it really didn't get old and arguably really probably was the key to what made him so endearing, right? Absolutely. I mean, the one fight of his career, well, I guess there, there's a couple, but there's a, there's only a few fights in his career where Fedor wasn't completely undersized. And they're like, 
Matt Linland, who was an actual 185er, Dan Henderson, who was an actual 185er. So, yeah, the the fact that he could come in there and always be the smaller guy, have that, like, pudgy little cherub face and everything going on, always get marked up in his fights and all that stuff combined. Yeah, um, you, know, you know, like you said, it definitely sent me... Uh, took a, a bit of a left turn when creating the the rest of my list because then i was like oh you know just to throw a couple names out there what what about igor what about uh you know some of the other guys from that era uh you know the the first russian wave that uh, that we saw in mma um but uh you know i i tried to mostly limit it to fedor and and keep my uh, my list on track yeah no that's uh that, that's a great one that's a great one um so, my uh, man, this is gonna really. This is one pick. I was kind of another one. I was kind of questionable about, but uh, and it's gonna probably look extra questionable putting them up next to your Fedor pick. But uh, boy, you want to talk about unassuming in the shadow of unassuming. But um, you know, I, I had to give Sam Alvey some shine here, man. I'm sorry, I had to give <laughs> Sam Alvey some shine because <laughs> Sam Alvey, even when like when he killed himself to get to welterweight somehow on tough. Like, he somehow always had a dad bod. Like, I don't think the guy could inescapably have a dad bod. And there's another dad bod fighter who I love uh, a lot and is, has, has won a lot more bets than me, but I, I didn't put him on this list. And he actually has the finishing percentage, so there's probably an argument. So I won't say his name in case he comes up. Um, but Alvi had just that stupid knockout power that didn't make sense. So not only did he have this look, he'd have the smile, the spray tan, like... He would disqualify himself from you taking him seriously before he ever got in the octagon. Like so, not only did he have that part, which is everybody should ever, should have that on this list, I would argue to some extent. But like even within his fights, and even within the fights that he was winning, he just looked unassuming the whole way through. I mean, uh, uh, going to your neighborhood, uh, Brad. I mean, we're talking about one of the few guys. If you go back to MFC and stuff, like to have mm -hmm. literal. Uh, losing a five-round fight, folks, and winning in literally the last five <laughs> seconds of the fight. Like, Sam Alvey may have done that twice. I know he's done it at least once. It's insane. So, like, he's unassuming the whole goddamn way through. So I know, you know, uh, this is definitely a name that has not aged well. And, you know, he's really those... The bad has clearly outweighed the good. You have, he hasn't had <laughs> enough good moments, right? That's, that's clear. But by definition... Um, by definition, he was a guy I had, to, I, had to, I had to mention here. So that's my number four. That That's a good pick. He, he made my honorable mention list. And the reason that he didn't go further than honorable mention is I actually I qualified my honorable mentions into some different categories for, for this list because there are so many different categories you could pull from for these unassuming fighters. Sure. But he is too happy. You know, I know the nickname is Smiling Sam, but only sociopaths are that happy. So I had to, to keep him off the list just a little bit. Like, he might be, you know, going just a little bit too close to serial killer territory. So uh, that's that's why he didn't make my list. But he's definitely an honorable mention because, you know, you see a, a goofy red-headed chubby guy just, you know, grinning as he's getting into the cage. And, you know, the way he fights most 
fights are finishes because he does have that power that's that's so unassuming uh just just looking at him and looking at his demeanor and his physique and everything and his skills <laughs> the way he fights everything um so yeah that's that's a great pick and definitely crossed my mind when i was building up my list but just uh just had that little you know nagging in the back of my mind um that he might just be a, a little too far gone <laughs> that is that is fair. I will counter with one last thing as we move on because we, we got to have some hog analysis between me and Brad on here. <laughs> but like, if we're wondering where the guy's power f- comes from, I'll just say, and I've, I've said this to Sam's face too. I forget. I think it was before his Theodoro fight. He was trying to like do all this viral stuff to make fun of Elias, and he put on these like this fake wig and was doing his shadow boxing. Um, but he also put on this like his white like uh, it must have been his wife's pair of like tight like spandex like they weren't yoga pants because they had like bell bottom flare some kind of dance pants you know but they were tight and they left nothing to the imagination (laughs) and let's just say that i kind of made sense where the guy gets his power from so there you go and how he could pull a a supermodel as a wife yeah a lot more makes sense where you're like oh (laughs) i get it (laughs) <laughs> again stuff i've said to his face and stuff that the fighters can how can you get mad at that that joker stereotype right come on now right exactly especially <laughs> as a white dude yeah yeah he's fighting the good fight there um <laughs> on that note what's your uh, number three there brad all right number three you know as you said fedor sends you down a, a certain path and uh, Fedor still sent me down the path on uh, on my number three pick here, where it's a guy that sort of got that similar, you know, quiet demeanor. Um, maybe talks like Kermit the Frog a little bit when he's doing his interviews, but he also has forty finishes in his career. And it seems like the only time you can get a smile out of him. Uh, he had a couple smirks in some pre-fight stare-downs, but when he's putting the violence on a guy, Gegard Musasi is... That's about the only time you see some personality out of MMA's resident Kermit the Frog. <laughs> so, Gegard Musasi, very quiet. You know, he... He has that voice where you don't expect a lot from him. (laughs) Just don't bring up Bisping. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck fuck Bisping. Dude. I was was looking back through some, like his record and everything, and just so many finishes, so many fights, and just always so composed, seems super nice, but again, you know, there's the occasional performance, like uh, an Iller Latifi performance, where you want to see a bit more, but you can also rationalize those with the short notice and how tough Latifi ended up being uh, in his career. So, yeah, Gegard Musasi made my list uh, as my number three. Uh, I-, I think he is very much deserving of the title of an unassuming fighter kill he's speaking of unassuming dudes quietly packing pieces i mean wow <laughs> my alvia pick now feels kind of appropriate there's a common thread here i mean that, that says that's that's, right. that's great news for genki maybe not so much for loma but you know well <laughs> 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 well, 
Oh, she's in Thailand. She'll make a living. Yeah, she's. Yeah, uh, geez, you never, oh, you never know. <laughs> hey, I've, I've been awful, to Thailand awful. and I've had a, a couple things whispered in my ear. Oh, that, no. Uh, whoa. <laughs> What? <laughs> oh no! Wow, Dan, I have this, this 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 episode is single-handedly setting back Asian stereotypes of all regions. I apologize, uh, but on that note, that's a great pick, man. I love the Musasi pick. Of course, I'm sure you heard. Uh, I'm sure my man Ben from the fight site. Um, hashtag Musasi for later. He, he actually did send me that that weigh-in pick. It's burned into my head now. So now every time <laughs> someone mentions Musasi, thank you, Ben. But makes your pick that much more powerful, Brad. Um, yeah, man, this guy is super, like, it, it was a kind of a curveball, but within that, that echelon, the, the pathway that a, a Fedor, Fedor Emelianenko selection would send you in. And, I, yeah, I love it because he's very just soft-spoken to a T. He does, he's never went over to a training camp, uh, you know, or, like, produced a hype video. Like, there was never anything, like... Oh, did you hear what Musa... Like, well, he did train with... Crash train with Fedor, I'm sorry. That was hype producing, but... Again, to your point, another unassuming killer, right? Um, so, wow, yeah, he actually fits nicely in that echelon quietly. And again, he, you look at, I don't know uh, his his relationship history, if it's the same smoking hot blonde lady uh, from the Netherlands, but uh, he's really doing well, and you know, to, to fuck Bisping and this girl too. Uh, <laughs> so. uh, love me some Musashi. It, you know, I, there are fights of his, like I said, that I will absolutely not go back and rewatch. But taking it as a whole, the man will put some violence on you and he'll enjoy doing it. And it's like Alistair Overeem and Kermit the Frog uh, had a crossover uh, kid. <laughs> yeah. That's the voice you get for Musasi, right? That's absolutely true. Uh, well, basically. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you gotta love that. You know he's been around for as long as he has and hey he's always as weird as as the voice can be and as off-putting as that may be when you're thinking about a guy that punches people in the face for a living excellent english too like come on it is man yeah guy's a killer i i i i, I love I love him. I've always been a big fan. Uh, freaking feels like forever, man. You make me feel old. I think he was my breakout fighter of the year in 2009. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, that was the uh, the dream middleweight Grand Prix, right? Yep. Yeah. And again, you could already have said if you were a hardcore, he, you know, I could have been late without an ointment, you know, even then. So that's crazy to think about. Um, all right. So and and again, part uh, part of the reason why I'm glad you went this direction is we parlay over to my number three, which is a two way tie. Um, and I don't think I'm going to, I made him a two way tie because there's no, there's no way I can talk about one without talking about the other. And the other has more deserved reason to be on this list. So I figured he would be on your list. So if I was going to spoil it, we might as well do it at one time. But, um, these guys were the guys that came on my list first. So I'm glad that my brain for whatever reason went in like the super bottom of the barrel hipster direction. Um, but that, that's another reason why, again, I'm glad you went with your selections to talk about these other guys because I, I, I personally talk about those guys too much, so it probably wouldn't be as fun. So this is a good opportunity to maybe, and I, why I love this topic, it's a good opportunity to talk about fighters I don't talk about that often. There you go. And I'm, when I I'm went excited. back, to, this is probably the only thing I did, ta- did, 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 did tape for for this podcast prep, right? This is the only thing I <laughs> have to go back and rewatch. But as I did at... UFC 91, to kind of hint where I'm going with this, Joe Rogan, even on the intro, says, 
This is like the battle of the most unlikely cage fighters. I mean, so it was perfect. It was perfect. So, you know, say what you will about Rogan. He anointed it there for me. And, um, you know, especially this is UFC 91. This is a... I'm already well a casual this time into my fandom, right? This is golden era Brock Lesnar time. Brock Lesnar is headlining the card in Randy, Randy Couture. So, of course, yeah. if you heard the episode last, my buddy Steve and my band uh, went over to his house because we were both at Extreme Couture rooting for Randy. But we're pro wrestling to an extent. We're, we're there. And, of course, just like the McGregor fights, folks, I'm sure you had this experience, right? When it was a Brock Lesnar fight, Brad, maybe your normal crowd was a bit bigger for those fights, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and for us, it was, even though it was a punk hardcore band, Steve was a, a more on the metal side, and I love my metal too. And for whatever reason, it wasn't my punk hardcore friends that were, even though like guys like uh, the singer from Converge actually had like MMA blogs back in the day. Um, it wasn't any of those friends. It was all my metalhead friends that were into MMA. And they were a bunch of like nerdy, like one of them looks like uh, fucking Christmas, uh, Jacob Christmas Volkman, Volkman, who won't make this list because he's not a killer, but he is absolutely exactly. unassuming. <laughs> like, Thought I, about I, him for sure. Thought about him. Like, but, if you look, uh, if, if you watch the last, you know, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, if uh, another guy who's down that similar vein, if you if you've got a PhD in some sort of medical science or you know a, a medical degree he's a chiropractor uh the other one that i thought of was was carlos newton he can't make the list he's a yeah. doctor man yeah Come he's on. a doctor yeah exactly exactly that's <laughs> a good, no harm that's a good one and and you know so like it's like kind of nerdy metal heads and this is parlaying to the pick here ufc 91 folks so when that's this guy tamden mccrory the barn cat Comes out to freaking bolt throw or like some metalocalypse type of shit. And just, it might have well been, you know, some straight up demo bourgeois like it was the opening of a CKY video because we all just got pumped. I could see the light in my friend's eyes as casual to hardcore. They were just like endeared. They were like, what? One of us is out there. <laughs> and here comes Tandy McCrory, balding as all hell, even back then, glasses, just looks like he was just came out of a just the, the South Park typical, you know, guy who, you know, jerks off in his mom's basement all day. Like he is that look. You know, his 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 cornermen are like the biggest sweet bro looking dudes. They've got like famous stars and straps. They've got like all the sweatbands that are like three quarter length and like it is so of the time. Holy crap. Yeah. And he is there to fight, of course. And again, this is why one name spoils the other, Brad. And, and you absolutely yes. jump in to give your thoughts here. But, of course, he was fighting Dustin Hazlett, who tried to really Mc, look... McLovin. Uh, yeah, McLovin. <laughs> His name was McLovin. And at this point, for this fight, it's funny. He actually looks the manliest he's ever going to look because he grows out a beard, like... You yes. know, of, of that early trend before it was, like, trendy. And then he, he had his weird one random, like, I'm just going to randomly sleeve a leg with... I'm going to have no tattoos, Brad, but I'm going to randomly <laughs> sleeve an entire leg with tribal. I, I don't know if you're trying to tribute George Clooney from Dust Till Dawn, but just on your leg? Yeah. That was Dustin Hazlett, folks. Well, th th this is my two-way tie. Do you, see, do you see where I was going here, Brad? Honestly, I'm... In my number two spot, when we get there, I am very much down the exact same lane that you're going down. I'm going to call a little bit of an audible now that you've revealed your pick. But, man, um, Dustin Hazlett, what a grappling game on that dude. That He was fun to watch. Uh, I think 
at this point at one point in his UFC career he was like five and one in the UFC and like four or five subs out of the the five wins uh and you know just completely unexpected from <laughs> what you would think of a, a guy that looks like that yeah and like you said with McCrory you know there's a couple guys where the evolution of their look changed a whole lot over their career and this was still this is what i think of when i think of tamden mccrory is like the heavily balding but hasn't committed to shaving the head he hadn't grown the beard out yet so he added that later in his game or later in his career um but yeah these two dudes i i think like maybe two decisions in their careers between the two of them. Yeah, um, that sounds about right, actually. Hazlett with the sub game, McCrory with both the, the sub game, die. and yeah. he, could, uh, he could knock some guys out as well. So, man, I, I am all over this pick. And I, I remember this. I remember that moment on the broadcast. Uh, as soon as you said UFC 91, I was like, I, I know exactly where Dan's going. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's about as un likely as a pairing can get although i'm gonna see i'm gonna see if i can top it in my next one so i'm excited we'll 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 see what happens we'll see what happens but this is a a great call to the uh what i termed the nerdy white guy division and and on the ear note by the way um i was looking at dustin hazlett's ears that's a weird thing i was looking at actually too and he has the most obviously he's a grappler so he has the most cauliflowered ears of my entire list that i've said and haven't said uh however um you know a victory for the short guys and the canadians when he ran into a short uh you know generously listed at five seven or five eight by the way mark bosek um boy uh you couldn't even look like you get airpods into mark's ears and i was like this is good (laughs) This is going to be a bad night for Dustin. He just cut through his guard like butter, dude, that mounted triangle. And granted, Dustin's confidence, I was watching, he looked like he was defeated walking into the ring because he got, like, worked by Rick Story in, a, in a, like, a Rick Story highlight performance. And then I forgot how brutal that Paul Daly, where Paul Daly, of course, missed weight, like, that Paul Daly knockout, like, one of the worst bounce your head off, like, the canvas of a basketball that I've ever seen. I forgot how bad that yeah. was, Brad. He he had a, a rough end to his UFC career. I, I think he ended up uh, oh and three. Was it Never him fought. or McCrory that was a paramedic? Uh, one of them ended up as like a paramedic or something like that. Um, I'm not sure. Obviously, I'm guessing which him. One, but, I'm guessing him. You went zero and three uh, and never fought again. It says so. Yeah, yeah, he had uh, you know, like I said, great start to the the UFC career, and then. You know, as you might expect with guys that fit the uh, the unassuming bill, just sort of hit that athletic peak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they, they wrote it as far as they could go. And it had me thinking of uh, Chase Hooper kind of, uh, to spoil a name, I don't think he'll pop up maybe on this, but for honorable mention, he's unassuming, right? He seems to need finishes to win uh, for what it's worth. Um, but I was like thinking of him. I'm like, well, if he's so durable, he should just go the Dubronx road and just be like, like Dubronx did. like, I'm going to just march down with Muay Thai. And if he's got this durability, he'll have one leg up. He may be even on an early young Dubronx, you could think. But then he could also do what Dustin Hazlett did because Dustin Hazlett looked like he tried to do that a la Carlos Condit. He's like, I'm going to be like more like Condit and have a Muay Thai game. He's doing the, the lead foot tapping against like yeah. tra- against against Paul Semtex daily Paul and then daily. just gets lit up. And I'm like, mm, maybe Chase Super shouldn't take on an aggressive Muay Thai game. Then I don't know. <laughs> Chase Super just needs to 
go straight ahead. He he can't wrestle. He's never going to be able to wrestle. Right. Like you know, maybe he can grow into his strength. I know we're getting like, yeah, I know we're getting side. It's okay. Yeah, finish but your thought. Whatever. Good. Um, but honestly, his best wrestling all comes from not actually wrestling. It comes from body lock positions and like sneaking around to a guy's back and jumping on his back and stuff like that. And you know, I I actually loved him as a, a pick and potential bet in his last fight and he right. didn't try and do any of that until he got his ass kicked for yeah. two and a half rounds uh, <laughs> shouts to chase though he seems like a cool guy he was on a podcast that i like uh verbal tap so check that out but number two sir that was a good uh tribute to those gentlemen you teased your number two i'm really excited what uh what did you end up for that all right so my number two we're going to stick around in the nerdy white guy division. And I think while yours may have been the most unlikely cage fighters to be paired in a fight, I think these two are the most unlikely cage fighters to headline a UFC card. And I'm talking about UFC Fight Night 13. And there's there's some special stories that go along with this one because, you know, MMA fans today, we complain about pacing and how long cards are and all of these sorts of things because, you know, honestly, sitting through six or seven hours of MMA, it it can be a slog. Um, But this is back in the day where... Spike TV used to do two-hour cards. That's all we'd get. We probably didn't get any undercard fights. Maybe they'd sneak one or two onto the broadcast if there were some quick finishes. So there was actually uh, a movement on the forums uh, where a bunch of people emailed in to, to Spike TV. We're like, man, we need to get this card up to three hours because there was a lot of good fights into it. I'm pretty sure this served as the lead-in to Tough Seven, um, so we're we're heading back to to that uh, that period of time. But the two guys headlining the card were Kenny Florian and Joe Lozon, and Joe's uh, he's toeing the line as far as the ears go. Um, so that's why I had to sneak him on in a tie. But, man, these are, are two dudes that look like they should come over and install your cable. Uh, but instead, <laughs> one of them fought for UFC title a couple times. The other guy has finishes in almost every win in his career and is actually a computer engineer. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, the, the quattro of Hazlett, McCrory, Lozon, Florian, that sounds like the toughest esports team that I've ever heard of. But uh, my number two is is going to be the tie between Joe Lozon and, and Kenny Florian. And wow, this is great. And, uh, you know what? The the one thing I will give credit to is that it was a great decision to uh, to extend that card to three hours. Because two of the things that got added to that card, <clears throat> oh, yes. it being extended, James Irvin, his eight-second Superman punch over Houston Alexander, <laughs> and um, of course the iconic Nate Diaz 
double finger triangle against Kurt Pellegrino. That was so great. So if, if that was only a two-hour card, we wouldn't have got those two moments on TV. So whew, the the fans, uh, they got it right that night. They, uh, I'm not so sure that we can say that anymore. But you, you forgot it was one of the uh, it was one of the first murders that the UFC produced since Dank Abbott versus David Tua with uh, Rumble Johnson and Tommy Spear, and they aired that bad boy as well, didn't they? Yes, yeah, that was under that was an undercard, but ooh, ooh and boy. Th- that's not an exaggeration because my favorite part about rewatching that is watching the ref Tim Mills. It looks like Jim Norton. Um, look at his face. The man looks like he just saw a dead body. Like he is like Tommy Spear is snoring against the cage, and Jim Norton's just like trying to protect him with his hands up, looking around like all PTSD shock. Like he is, he, he needed some time to recover. I don't think he refed for like a year after that. You know, like. But uh, I'm yeah, going to... Sorry. You just spoiled my number one. It was Rumble. I mean, who's more unassuming than Rumble? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. He does, fit, he does fit that other quiet caveat of this list. But let's, let's, try to, let's try to not focus on that for once on this show. Um, but I'm going to dive in here because not only is like Take a Shot protecting your podcast listeners, UFC Fight Night 13 just got mentioned because that's my favorite fight night. But my number two, which I, I couldn't do what you did because I already did for the people who first popped into my list. But you're right. It does rival it. Um, it, it does deserve to be over Tamden, but my number two was just alone, not nothing against J. Lau, but was just Kenny Florian. So um, this is a perfect excuse to double dive and, and correct my mistake of leaving J. Lau out of there. Because Joe Lozon, you look at him, I mean, this guy looks like he's calcium deficient, he's vitamin D deficient, like, he looks like he is just a bowl of deficiencies, and like, you look, you look at his list, even with like... Even with the forgotten, like, oh, yeah, that's right. He finished Pulver by this point, right? Which was, again, unassuming and unexpected, right? Um, but even that's with... the one. Yeah. It, it really put him on the list. Like, that alone puts him on the list for me. Because at that time, I was... I had been a fan for a couple of years. Not, like, a huge amount of time. But I knew who Jens Pulver was. I had already gone back and watched his UFC title run. You know, seen some of his stuff in other organizations. And then he comes out to uh, to start off. I think that was that UFC 63. Um, yeah. But they open the card, and you're just like, oh man, they're they're getting uh, Jen's a win on Matt Hughes's cards. Uh, and then he gets smoked by this dude that uh, he didn't look like he belonged in there at all. Yeah. And it was the start of. Uh, Started something pretty special in terms uh, of Joey fucking Lozon's career. Yeah, absolutely. I love and I love Joe Lozon. Obviously, I'm not trying to shit on the guy here, but yeah, like you were like, what the heck? And Brad says cable job, but like the, the dude was seriously uh, went back to an IT job that Monday after knocking out Jens Pulver. Like that wasn't an exaggeration. Um, the dude was like a big like Call of Duty. He would have like his own like I think when he do interviews with the junkie, he was like, hey, here's my gamer tag. Like. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, man, even, like, that, like you go and look at his resume and, like, the only thing tough about him was, like, on his resume, he comes from Brockton. You're like, oh, that must have sucked. But, like, that was about it. Like, <laughs> like Brockton doesn't sound like a very nice place. <laughs> Brockton. And, um, and uh, you know, um, and, and, then, and then Kenny Florian makes this list because, like, I have him on this list for me if I if I kind of add to your pick here because for me I was a tough noob right and I've said it many times here before and of course I was you know just like now it's kind of hardwired I'm 
I'm very contrarian for whatever reason, just like for whatever reason Brad likes seeing tall dudes get KO'd. I saw that tweet yeah. and I'm like, I get that because for whatever reason I identify with like unathletic dudes like getting their, you know, getting their getting their due over like a, a you know, the, the athlete that's going to beat them, right? That's always been a dynamic. It's been a part of martial arts, so I obviously gravitated toward uh, Kenny Florian, who's this clearly undersized guy. Shouldn't be at 185, you know. Um, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to do another joke like I did with uh, with Aaron, with, with uh, Aaron uh, calling Ellenberger Jewish. But I was like, this guy looks like he represents the clan, right? I'm like, Florian looks like I don't know if it's the Ben and Stiller thing. I'm like, oh, this guy looks like a Jew. This is awesome. Let's see him kick yeah. some people's asses. This is great. Uh, I'm in. And you know, of course he wasn't because he, but he's like South American, but he speaks Portuguese. He's got a bunch of layers. Kenny does, right? You know, and a lot of them are academic layers. Uh, again, to, to to fit that unassuming thing. And even as he was going down in weights, not only was he doing well, and you could argue the guy was an overachiever. You can always look that he yeah. lost three title fights, but it's like. What Aldo BJ like? I mean, like you know, shirk, shirk. <laughs> right yeah, up, shirk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, when they were not giving it, they were definitely weren't awarding damage from the bottom uh, back in those days either. So like, yeah, the guy was clearly an overachiever, and we we make fun of the I finish fights. Who wants to see fights finish at one fifty five? Uh, you know, but like to your point, he was a he used he prided himself on a high finishing rate, so. Yeah, and, you know, then you get into, like, he had a, a very good education as well. Like, what was he, D D1 soccer player or something like that? Yeah, um, yeah. Law school, didn't he get to do some law school or was in law school or something like that or dabbled in it? Because his dad was a doctor, yeah. but. Yep, and, and he's one of the few guys that, <clears throat> there's always been this trend of guys, like, former or current fighters would start doing commentary and they would just get progressively worse. Um, like Frank Mir back in the WEC days, uh, you know, he would just harp on how great Miguel Torres <laughs> yeah, was, and yeah. he could he could never get past his bias with certain fighters. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, who else did they have? Brian Bonner uh, was in the WEC. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, people like to to shit on Cruz and Cormier these days, and I'm not sure I blame them. <laughs> um, but he's he's the one guy that started doing commentary and actually improved to the point where he got hired by somebody outside of the UFC to do commentary for them. I mean, yeah. it's, it's battle bots and it's, it's ridiculous, but that, that just goes to show you that even after his fighting career, still uh, a completely unassuming nerdy type of guy that fits into that atmosphere, uh, as opposed to, to fighting in a cage and fighting for world titles multiple times. Yeah. Props to Kenny. And didn't he also, uh, uh, Tackled down a model who he started a family with recently. Oh, Isn't I, she I a don't model? know about that. I, I believe she was a model of some sort. So again, not going to throw any accusations out there, but <laughs> maybe he's following the quiet theme here, right? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, these things they just tie together. Sometimes these things, these happen. things happen in in MMA podcasts. Yes. <laughs> Jesus, we'll find any segue to to that subject on this show or your show by the way shouts to the MMA analysis of course the home of hog analysis I hope I don't do any access TV infringement with that promo but yeah uh, <laughs> wow that's great so does that mean we're we're in line for number one too sir it, it sounds like uh, sounds like it's time for number one we've All sort right. of blown through this list uh, but how could you not when when you're talking about some killers like these 
Yeah, well, it was great because we, we started off in completely different directions. And it looked like we were headed down different themes. And now we're kind of tying it back together as we round the end. So as we round to the end, what did you have for your number one drum roll, Brad? All right. So number one, you know, we're I'm sort of circling back to the, the start here. But this guy combines it all. You've got some garish in-ring wear. You've got, you know, a kind of a, a weird, unsuspecting entrance song um, that I still only know two words to, uh, despite having seen this guy fight a million times. Uh, you know, he wears the, the nerdy glasses outside of the cage. Considering the, the fact that he's a grappler, there's not a lot of cauliflower ear going on there. But how many guys <clears throat> have rainbow pants come out to back a survivor have the the nerdy glasses going on but then when you get in the ring he'll snap your humorous with a hammerlock and then flip you off as you're writhing in pain on the ground so there is no more unassuming killer to me in mma than shinya aoki um just like the guy's got 30 submissions in his career and some violent ones at that but just on this lanky frame never learned how to to strike or or do anything on the feet but if you hand him anything uh, just like just like genki uh he's gonna submit you but he's gonna do it a whole lot more violently and he's not going to be over top of you praying after he submits you. <laughs> he's going the complete other direction with it. So, yeah, I've, I've got Shinya Aoki as my number one unassuming killer in MMA. And it ties in, you know, the, the Asian stereotype as well. So I've got it all with this pick. I'm glad you didn't go with my direction as Asians for number one. Because <laughs> Shinya Aoki was right there. He was on this list. But... This sounds like it doesn't make sense. He almost was too good for my list with the route that I went that I couldn't justify placing him anywhere because there would be immediate contradiction that I almost would have to have him here. So it was almost, and I already did the two-way tie, so I wasn't doing that. So I got an H next to his name, so he's he's the top, top. Um, but he deserves to be on this list and, and to be honest, deserves to be high uh, on the yes. list because of the, the, you know, the tight pants, you know, like, I remember, like, you know, like, BJ Penn is another kind of Fedor-esque guy that could have qualified. And I remember BJ being asked about Shinya because that was one of the, the super fights being lobbed at the time when they couldn't figure But before Edgar, you know, obviously uh, took his, took, you know, took, took uh, left him high and dry in Abu Dhabi and in Boston, right? Uh, people were talking about Aoki and, and BJ would be like, how does he wear those pants? My belly would be hanging over those things. It would, I'd be a mess. <laughs> Like, how does he, you know, because it wasn't, it, it was so goofy, even amongst fighters. They're like, who is this? Oh, yeah. This, and then remember the acid trip mushroom video that he came out with Sakuraba with a playing of the drums <laughs> that's like burned into my head? I don't know the meaning of that. I still don't know what that was about, Brad. You know, you know what I'm talking about? No. It was yeah, some, I, I know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's just, I mean, he, he fits it, man. And then, then the brutalness, because I thought about Sakuraba as well, because uh, he's definitely unassuming, but. And yes. he definitely is a, a more of a finish rate guy, but you know the the killerness. Like you were gonna lose knee ligaments, uh, like you said, humors, bone breaks. Oh man, 
That was a Hirota, right? Poor Hirota. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, like, and then he flips him off, and you're like, he's wearing Nick Diaz t-shirts and glasses. He looks like a Nick Diaz like fanboy. And yep. but he's actually doing like the live imitation, but doing like the sling blade version, where like Nick wouldn't even be that mean, man. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, that's a great pick. That is a fantastic yeah. pick. Shinya Aoki needs to be mentioned on this list. <laughs> what 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 do you got on your end? Let's hear so it. I went with more. I, I I opened the list both Asian and both kind of typical slash against me. I usually don't go recency bias. I usually don't go active fighters. Um, if someone's ooing and, and eyeing and, you know, as I like to jer- like, like to joke, you know, jerking off the hype fighter, I tend to go the other way. I think we know that about me by now. However, Wait, I would... So you're ar- going with Davis and Figueredo? Yes. However, <laughs> I would argue Joe Rogan, um, Joe Rogan's oog- oogling and ogling, almost like he is a, he is like a, 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 a doctor being caught on a dateline expose in Thailand, right? Like, I've never seen an older white man oogle and ogle. For a young Asian face, like Joe Rogan does for Duho Choi. I know I use mm-hmm. them as the GIF, kind of limited on those choices when I tweet these out, but I couldn't help. He was the second name that immediately comes to mind because, yes, it's commentary, bias, burn, and noise. We have to admit that. But it also kind of does prove the point. I mean, uh, you never hear that from any, uh, granted, Rogan is Rogan, but even from Rogan. I mean, even when Rogan's talking about dude's thighs or muscular black men, which is Rogan's thing too, we we all know this by now, like, he lost his shit for little Asian Duho Choi. And the guy makes South Korea proud. It's a proud fighting nation. People should not be surprised that Koreans are tough people and tough fighters. That is not a surprise, but... Um, but yeah, that's just the, the package. And even though he doesn't have the great shout, by the way, for Shinya Aoki's music, but a Superman, you know, th- theme song. Look at that. They're the great card. Still one of the, one of the best cards in the last four or five years. Um, for, for, for me, I think you were at that live, huh? Yes. Oh, yeah, that wow. Was, whew, that, that was an incredible to see him and Cub just absolutely throw down uh, in one of the greatest fights I've ever seen. Man, that's wow. uh, he absolutely deserves to be on this list. Um, the 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 perfect encapsulation of you know the the stereotypical kid that is probably twelve years old and yelling at you on PlayStation or, or Xbox Live or something like that. Uh, but get him into a cage and just murderous. Um, yeah the the only thing that holds it back in my estimation is just there hasn't been enough of the the career. Um, but if he comes back and continues anywhere on that same trajectory trajectory <laughs> uh, absolutely belongs on these lists and near the top because dude he's he's an 11 year old Asian boy yeah like I don't know how they let him in like everyone's talking about Chase Hooper like he looks younger than Chase Hooper and he's smaller mm-hmm. um, I mean and, and even in the fight that you were at right he lost that fight to Cub right but he's also yes. he doesn't just get give it he could take it too you know like you wouldn't expect you know someone to be that tough and durable that young uh, maybe he's fragile oh he's, he's too worried about his looks or whatever stereotype that you could lobby and we've seen come to fruition he doesn't fold man i mean again not a surprise if you follow korean fighters but he, he's a tough son of a gun 
Yeah. But, but, but Brad, not let... just uh, one of the backup dancers for BTS. <laughs> yes. But uh, hey, speaking of how like how 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 much Rogan like just goes off when he comes out, like how hard do you think Rogan would come if if Duho Choi threw more leg kicks, Brad? Oh, oh my good. Um, and I think you know Rogan. He's a little bit like me. He he appreciates the old school actual thigh leg kick as opposed to the the calf kick. So oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Wants that true. into the game. And oh, imagine. Oh man, I'm trying to think of uh, of a uh, 145 or I don't know, maybe like Tony Gravely or something can move up to 145. So he's got some some nice meaty uh, black thighs to kick in that fight, oh and then he'll just be over the top. Oh my god, you hear his, I can already hear his uh, belt bustle loosening and jostling over the broadcast. <laughs> you can just hear him loosening it as it. <laughs> uh, no, by the way, I'm not picking on Joe here. This is just. A long-running theme on this podcast and in Joe's commentary, if you've been paying attention, folks, the man loves like there's that meme out there, right? Where he's like, "All, all I want is more leg kick." He goes, "I think you should throw more leg kicks, Mike." And then it goes closer. All I want are leg kicks, <laughs> <laughs> and that's like over a decade of his commentary that you could make that joke. Oh, yeah. Like, remember Rampage? Absolutely. Remember Rampage took it personally and thought like he was the only one being told. He got he, he got mad and he's like, he thought I should be throwing more leg kicks. And they had like this whole feud and they had to like before the Japan show when he fought Bader, they had to have a whole makeup sesh. Do you remember that? And it was all over because Rogan said he should throw more leg kicks in the broadcast. He was, doesn't he pay attention to my game? I'm a boxer. It's like Rampage, calm down. He says that about everybody. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if that happened today, it would be easy because, you know, somebody would go out there and make a YouTube video that would be 25 minutes of Rogan asking for more leg kicks as he's doing commentary. (laughs) But uh, unfortunately, uh, we didn't have these things around back in the day. Indeed, sir. Indeed. I'm going to pull up some of the listener list here. But was there uh, one honorable mention before you get to the rest of yours that was just that was like my Shinya Aoki that you wanted to place you just couldn't find a place for it. One honorable mention. It, it, it's tough. Um, you know, I can I go for one category of honorable mention? Yeah, Because I do feel it. like this Fire. isn't, this isn't going to pop up on uh, sure. on anybody's list. Sure. But the uh, the unassuming attire uh, honorable mention list. Uh, I had two more guys that sort of fit in there with uh, with Aoki. One of them is Lyle Fancy Pants Beer Bomb. Oh, yeah, there we go. That dude. <laughs> Lyle Beer Bomb, yeah. Into the cage, and he was like a goofy-looking dude in general. Uh, and the other one, I, I know you said that, that black dudes don't normally get the, the unassuming uh, <laughs> sort of stereotype. But, you know, there's a certain guy that has been in MMA a very long time, was a high-level lightweight, and he'd come out, and he'd have a little smiley face on his crotch, uh, and also just a, a generally like jovial dude. He wasn't particularly intimidating looking, uh, but Eve Edwards, man, uh, I, I don't uh, think a lot of people are going to think of him as uh, as being worthy of this list. But eating on the scale, exactly, just like not even showing any cares, like sharing chips with his. Uh, his opponent at the uh, the stare downs, everything. So Eve Great Edwards shout. definitely has that that unassuming thing going on, and the attire to boot for sure. 
Great shout. All righty. All right, I'm going to move on to listener list before we clean up here, Brad. Mark Fellows, at Fellows Mark, says, uh, hmm, if I met Maya, Wonderboy, Smiling Sam Malvi, GSP, Thug Rose, Daryush, DC, Sakuraba, Anderson Silva in the street, and I wouldn't feel like my life was in immediate danger. <laughs> and I know you, you, you replied to that one. Re- yeah. <laughs> but he, he's got a couple of those guys in there, like Sakuraba and Maya. Maya has real bad cauliflower ears because obviously dude's been grappling forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two guys uh, I, I sort of excluded from my list. Uh, the rest of that is just – is right on point. Um, you know, except Thug Rose just – terrifying um you know if i next time i go to a ufc show i'm just gonna have one of those furniture dollies uh that i can bring around with me just so i don't run into thug rose in the streets uh because i know if she sees that she's gonna go running the other way jesus christ <laughs> jesus christ man i don't even know what to say about that one. i will i will say though this i do want to ask you about my uh, damian maya because obviously he's such a nice guy so you're like, does that make him super unassuming or not unassuming? But I'll say this. Maybe this is crazy because we didn't know about Maya as much. But like pre as the build up toward before, uh, Anderson Silva title fight, I always thought he came off like a Bond villain to me. Not that he was an evil guy, but something about his accent, his accent and his look, his kind of like semi distinguished look and the, the distinguished accent. You know, something about he just had like that Bond early 90s, late 80s, or the 80s, 1980s Bond villain. Uh, as to him. I don't know why. I, I can see that. And, like, you know, he, he's not as uh, attractive as some of the other fighters we've talked about on our list, which usually helps the, the unassuming factor. Sure. But he's, he's still a handsome man, but in that sort of, like, devilishly handsome kind of kind of scope. So I, I see what you're going with there. I, I disagree but with man, you. those those. Yeah, I disagree with the GSP. I appreciate the DC because obviously DC was also compared to your number uh, four, Fedor Emelianenko. Of course, there was a much, uh, much less racially sensitive name that that seemed to be being tossed around back in those strike force days. Uh, but yeah, you know he was an unassuming guy for what that's worth. Wonder Boy, I like because like you could just totally see like, and I love Wonder Boy. Uh, I love all you know. You know we love our brothers and sisters from the south. But you could totally do the stereotype where, like, he looks like a guy who's just constantly, like, getting shook and going, golly! Does <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> look yeah. about him? <laughs> I think for Wonderboy, my uh, my issue, because, like, obviously he, he kicks a lot of dudes' asses. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, not really the type of guy I'd consider a killer. So that's that's where Wonder Boy sort of lost it uh, for me. But yeah, if you he's also like the nicest dude ever. And I I think anytime anyone brings up Wonder Boy on a podcast, uh, they're contractually obligated to state how nice Wonder Boy is. So we're we're getting that out of the way. Uh, Wonder Boy's lawyers, please don't sue us. Yeah. Yeah. but he's not exactly going to be the dude that that puts the the coffin nails in you. True, he is one of the few guys you could actually trust with your kids, though. I think he has that service with his karate school where he goes around with a bus. Like, what other professional athlete yes, would you trust yeah. to do that? Seriously, like, I wouldn't. Like, <laughs> you imagine like uh, you imagine like Bryce Mitchell having those same duties of like transporting your children to and from school. Oh shit! I hope there's no power tools on board. <laughs> Bryce, you're an hour late. We stopped at a little squirrel hunting. <laughs> Like, like taking random field trips with the kids. Like, you can't take them across state lines, Bryce. Um, 
<laughs> Mr. One Foot Jojo said Shinya Aoki is with you there. Dustin Hazlett. Jolo's yep. on. All got to be in the conversation. They were, sir. They were. Yes. Yeah, he's right on track with us. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of swore we got some more, didn't we? Uh, as I pull up some more, if there's any that pop in your head, feel free. As um, I, I, I try to sweep I up know the last that, of it. Uh, Benny, uh, Benny Abs from Yeah, uh, Benny Abs. Six fights. That's right. Six uh, fights. He podcast. shouted out uh, Fedor and uh, Igor Valchenshin. That's right. Yeah. Your your first post. That's right. Yep. Fedor Igor Valchenshin. Yeah. I, see, those kind of sent me on that route too because I'm a big Igor fan. But I think everybody knows I'm a big Ice Cold fan, so I would have had to have him on there. And then I probably would have, you know, been having to fight, you know, BJ Penn and, like, DCs or, like, those kind of guys off the list. But I'm like, wait, they're all great. And then I start – I got in my own head about it. So I just – I just I left him aside, so I'm glad you highlighted uh, some of those. And, and shouts to Benny. That's at Benjamin Abrigo on Twitter. If you want to give him a follow. Yeah, I, I stayed away from the uh... – the Polyn, your Polynesian brothers. Um, there's, there's something about, you know, BJ Penn looks like a Cabbage Patch doll, or you right, do, at right, least. right. Uh, but does, there's also something uh, about just having that absolutely enormous cranium uh, yeah. that kind of, kind of disqualifies them for me. Like, or, or as uh, Adam, Adam Carolla likes to point to when he talks about Samoans as. The calves. It's, he's like, people don't talk about how intimidating calves are. He's like, guy can have big biceps. He's like, I don't give a fuck. If I'm going to get in a street fight and a guy has giant calves, oh boy, no, no way. No, I'm going to sit back down. All the power they can drive. And it's maybe a little bit of that Joe Rogan leg science, leg bro science there. But there is something to be said about guys with like giant Mark Hunt calves. Yeah. Where you're like, you know, those, right. those, those like, what, like those guys, like, was it, I don't think it was Hunt. I think it was like David Tua, the boxer, like. I forget, like, he never did a formal squat, and when he finally got in a strength and conditioning routine, like, I think he threw up, like, 800 pounds his first try or something ungodly. He's, like, doing record-setting stuff. It's like, oh, that's what a squat is? Like, yeah, I usually start lighter. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're just walking around, uh, you know, especially when I go down to your neck of the woods, and <laughs> you, when, you, when you see uh, Vegas and you're walking the strip, there's always some pretty hefty dudes uh, walking around down there, and one thing I'm always jealous of is is fat guy calves. Fat guy Man, calves. I wish I had fat guy calves. It's like, like the juggernaut. Nothing anywhere else is uh, a part of their body that I would want. But damn, the the calves that they get from carrying all that weight around, it's just like, like oh, incredible, yeah, incredible. Man. That's the. The only thing I'm jealous about fat people for. That is, that is yeah, that you're right. I, that's why I left Mark Hunt off this list as well because he, you know, there is a bit of that stereotype too. Like the Pacific Islander, I, I notice we get a little bit of a kinder than the, you know, than than the than the than the Asian, you know, uh, just being straight Asian. You know? So like if I if I say that I'm, you know, if I if I represent my Hawaiian mix or something, you know, which is a little more easier to see. But like Joe Rogan says, he goes, imagine an island full of Mark Hunts. That's terrifying. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. that's why he's off this list. Um, I, it feels like an honorable. Th- like, it feels like I have to mention him. He never makes the list, but for whatever reason, he gets mentioned every time. Jimmy Hedis. He's always getting mentioned on this podcast. He's getting a lot of play. That's yeah. I, I suppose if your nickname is uh, is the kid, then you belong on a line uh, on a list like this, right? <laughs> that's true, Jimmy the Kid Hedis. That's right, man. Um, and then uh, of course, I think Aaron even had this guy on his list, but he's another guy who's always an honorable mentions, but. Paul Sass? <laughs> the sauce angle. 
I like to play. Um, <laughs> he's just so quiet and just he's just the unassuming scouser. He's just like the the, the one like scouser who doesn't. It's not boisterous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, somebody that we mentioned earlier that I had on uh, on my honorable mentions in the the floppy hair division was Chase Hooper. Um, yeah. That counts. But also in the uh, in the floppy hair division was early days WEC Gil Melendez when he used to have oh like, the, yeah he used to have the Hawaiian shorts totally and, like the the floppy fro and he's one of those guys that just over time he's been in so many wars that his face has become rugged yes but yeah. if you look at him back then Rumble in the Rock like, same with Rumble in the Rock days they weren't too far off yeah exactly so like. You know, guys like Gil Melendez, who were there at one point, aren't so unassuming anymore. Um, also, like uh, Rich Franklin, you know, back when his nose was straight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rich Franklin is a, a guy who could have made this list. He actually was a math teacher. Yeah. Um, now he smells things around the corner, thanks to, to Anderson Silva. But uh, Boy, Rich and Kenny, huh? Point. Rich and Kenny, if you have academia and look like a celebrity... Like you're you're done. You're automatically on this list. <laughs> Very true. Jim Carrey. Oh, uh, other celebrity lookalikes. Let's uh, we can go down that path. We yeah. got Jake Matthews, the Biebs. Oh, Justin Bieber. That's right. That's another. That's a whole nother list. Real quick on Rich yeah. Franklin though. Um, this is really dated. Like, do you remember ever having to like go back in the day? If you let's say you missed the pay per views or whatever, or you had to watch even like the bootleg streams back then. Sometimes you would get the Portuguese call. And I love it because on a Rich Franklin fight, you would understand. You wouldn't understand any of the Portuguese, but then randomly they go, "Bustamante luta, Jim Carrey," <laughs> and that was just the best. Thing. I don't know. That's just, I always remember doing that back in the day, like giggling. Uh, uh, <laughs> like yes. even these, yeah, even I, these, even these guys are making fun of him for it. Jesus, poor guy. It probably would have been a. Uh maybe a less rewarding but also less dangerous career choice to uh just be jim carrey's stunt double yeah quite franklin <laughs> isn't he podcast apparently that's what it's called quite quite franklin oh really i don't know why <laughs> it's, it's funny to me but <laughs> anyways uh what about uh your your fellow brad from canada brad katona i feel like i was just he's not a killer but i feel like i was always wrong about that guy because he's the most unassuming there is to me i'm like how is this guy a fighter and he would i would just always fade him like blindly and like oh this guy actually has some skills and wins fights okay <laughs> well there's, uh, there's definitely a few canadians that uh that could qualify like you've got your chris horodesky oh yeah like, Holy he, he's right up there with uh duho Choi in terms of yes. the young look yeah uh, Mark Hominick, he doesn't look like a, do a dude that would be in fights, uh, especially, you know, back in the, the early days uh, when he fought Eve Edwards, um, you know, who we just talked about. And then there's the the lovable Canadian power couple of Mike Ricci and Rory McDonald. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> early, especially you look at those guys early in their careers, too, especially yes. how they looked. I mean, yeah. what was it? Rory the water boy? <laughs> was it yes. The water boy McDonald? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, Rory definitely fits into that uh, that Gill and Rich Franklin where he is uh, looking a little weathered these days. But back when he first came on the scene, uh, you know, Maybe a little serial killer-ish, uh, but still very, very unassuming from from how uh, young he looked. 
That is, yeah, that is totally true. Oh man, it makes you feel old when you see like the uh, the evolutions. Even some of these like uh, officials, like when I went back to watch the uh, Dustin Hazel's at UFC 124, St. Pierre Koscheck, I think that was right or something. And like that that guy who refs the Canada shows, like Philippe Chartier. And I'm like, oh, he doesn't look like he's about to croak mid refing this fight. Like that's how old this fight is because <laughs> Philippe Chartier always looks like he's like fucking. COVID number yeah. one, like, is going to get him Don't first. Don't make him chase them around the cage. Jeez. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, by the way, if you go back and watch that Dustin Hazlett versus uh, – uh, I wrote some notes here I forgot as we close up because I don't have any more honorable mentions. But um, if you wa- watch that UFC uh, 91 fight, dude, there's a judge that – no joke. He, he, like, I, I Look, he's not just a random cage type guy. Like, he's got the papers, the positions he's at. I don't know what judge he is, but he looks like a mix of the Schmo and Orville Redenbacher. It's the creepiest thing. I'm serious. It's 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 it's, it's old guy like Oval Redenbacher dressed up as the schmo, but it's like 2009 right. or eight or whenever this fight card was. It's the most creepiest thing. Um, and then um, oh, and then the, the the when I went to see what happened to Dustin Hazlin, I watched that Rick Story fight. Um, the finish, it's really brutal because he gets hurt like a bunch of times in the first round, and the finish comes in the second. But it's classic. The finish is right in front of Joe Silva. And it's one of the best Joe Silva, like, especially because they're playing at, like, the slightly sped up speed in the replay. So you see Joe Silva, like, flipping out, saying, it's over, it's over, it's done. Throwing his headphones done and running in to go <laughs> go, go high-five the fighters. <laughs> it's good. it's yeah. great. It's well worth the rewatch for the, the, the reaction alone. So I had to add that in there. There were definitely uh, a lot of things in the background that, that people used to, to miss back in the day, but very entertaining when you're going through on, on rewatch. Like I know one of the ones that always comes up is uh, Robert Downey Jr. with the uh, the Condit and Hardy knockout. Yeah. Um, he was like the, the only dude cheering for Condit in the crowd, and he's just like flipping out in the in the background when he uh, lands that left hook. So That's right. He was, yeah. the, he was there filming uh, that one movie with the guy Ritchie, right? Yeah, that was probably one of the like Sherlock Holmes movies. Yep. Or, yeah, or that's great. Like that, right? <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, okay. We can't uh, we can't sign off before I get to the the Michael Jackson division with uh, Marlon Marais and Anderson Silva. <laughs> oh my <Silva>. god! <laughs> oh, that's so perfect. Oh, that's good. I never heard that one before, Brad. You should bring some more Michael Jackson. I was thinking about that too, voice-wise. Like, yeah, like some of these guys, like the voice either does them in or doesn't. Yeah. Oh, poor Marlon. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, poor and, Marlon. You know, just as I Marlin. as I always do, uh, going back and and making this li- these lists, I've got to look at some old school stuff, and honestly, I'm pretty much convinced at this point that Fabian Iha is Marlon Marais's dad. Like you put pictures of those two dudes side by side, and it's uh, it, it's pretty scary. He just like wow. the, the resemblance is there. Uh, check it out, Dude, just because. <laughs> I I thought we had to have a top five T-shirt in the pool one for you next time, but maybe like a doppelganger selection is in order because you're opening all these doors now. Where I'm like, <laughs> this is fun. No, that's true. Like. Yeah, no, they're, they're, that, that's that's a great. I'm gonna go. I gotta go look that up now. Holy crap! Because you're right. Yeah, that is so perfect. Poor Marlon, man. <laughs> this is what happens when uh, instead of you know spending my time breaking down fighters, I just spend time <laughs> looking at all the bullshit that surrounds MMA. <laughs> I come it, up with stuff like this. It's funner sometimes, you know. Like uh, uh, another fighter I forgot to mention before, you know, 
one of your favorites now, Chaos the Ox Fighter. Uh, before him, there was uh, <laughs> Cody Ox Wheeler. You know, he wasn't the killer, but he was definitely unassuming looking. He was definitely a yep. one of those funny looking dudes on the when I would go to the MMA Junkie weigh-in photos. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> and he would be next <laughs> to like lose. next to George Roop when he was making his first cuts to 135, where he looked just awful. Like he was just. Oh. Remember those? Yeah. Like, oh, geez. Like, what happened to George Roop? Just reading the comments that were very inappropriate of where he did his training camp. Uh, but we'll push on from there. But those were... I don't think you can see it, but uh, even you just mentioning uh, George Roop weight oh. cut, or cutting down to 135 gave me goosebumps. Yeah. It scares me. It's between that and um, and uh, James Irvin's 185 cut, I think, are like the, the, the visibly worst that you could just... Didn't, yes. You didn't have to be there in person. You could tell it was awful. So, yeah, I think we did a good job here, man. We gave a lot their due. Of course, recapping the list before we get out of here. Brad at number five at Genki Sudo. Great pick. Four, Fedeo Emelianenko. Uh, three, uh, Mus- hashtag Musasi for later. Uh, two, um, two-way tie, uh, J-Lo and Ken Flo. And number one, Shinya Aoki. Uh, me, number five, I had Loma uh, Lokmo, me. Smiling Sam Alvey is number four. Excuse me. My two-way tie came at number three for Tandon McCrory and Dustin Hazlett. I had Kenny Florian, uh, a.k.a. Stillerson, uh, solo at number two. And number one, Duha Choi, uh, to make the nice little uh, Asian sandwich there, top and bottom. Uh, to, you know, hey. Both it, of us. We, both we, of us. Hey, <laughs> it happens, right? I mean, it, it wasn't a coincidence we both did it, right? So uh, it, yeah. it's paying respect, man. It's paying respect, uh, and we, we love these fighters so uh, for what they give us, so. Yeah, well, we'll have to do like a top five hogs list so we can bookend it with a couple of black dudes instead of Asian dudes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> On that note, you guys should check out the MMA analysis if you weren't completely offended uh, and haven't already reported and downvoted both of us to your local or internet <laughs> authorities. Uh, but yeah, if, if that isn't you, then definitely check out the MMA analysis if you're looking just uh, to live vicariously like I do uh, in some not-so-serious MMA stuff uh, or just for a... Uh, uh, a few jokes or not if you're not the uh, degenerate gambling type but these are a nice break speaking of degenerate gambling I love these top five shows it's a nice break from the yes. slog of like week in and week out hopefully you guys are enjoying the break too over there Brad but thank you man for, for joining me on this it, in, incredible it's, it's always a ton of fun chatting with you you know we're always uh, we're always talking in, through the, the DMs and everything but it, it's nice to actually get on camera and, and have a, a conversation couple hours um so yeah i I hope that your your 2020 and everyone's 2020 ends well and uh all the best for everyone into 2021 Uh, i I don't think there's anywhere but up to go from here for us so ain't that the truth and technically this might with this dropping this could technically uh, be the first show of 2021 so on that positive note sir let's uh let's cheers here on a positive and 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 wish you all the best and always protect your neck.